When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in. Over here. With a friend. And found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows at castaway.media or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash castawaypodcasts. Welcome to episode 42 of Potteroonie. Yeah. And this week I'm talking to Arthur Matthews, the co-writer of Father Ted. As you probably know, um, because you've just uh, tuned in. So uh, when I say tuned in, of course, that's a very old-fashioned way of talking about listening to a podcast. It sounds like radio tuned in, doesn't it? You don't tune in. What the fuck do you do? Subscribe download listen you actually listen so I've had a a, a week of uh, going back and forth to Inishir and I went out to Inishir which is of course one of the Aran Islands to uh, just have a look because I am involved uh, we'll be performing at a festival called the Craggy Island Festival in uh, July out there in Inishir on the 15th and 16th of July and uh um, I wanted to go out there. I was invited out there just to meet some of the local people who are the publicans and the uh, uh, councillors and the uh, people who will be involved in setting up the uh, uh, festival and making sure it runs well and that everyone has a good time. And what happened when I was out there? I saw a bloody dolphin really near to this beach swimming with what looked like with another dolphin only to find out that that second dolphin and this was this this really happened was a man with a fake fin on his back an old guy that's kind of looked like he was in his 60s or something and he's apparently he's a german bloke and uh, he uh, attaches a fake fin to his back and and a snorkel and uh, goggles and goes in there and swims with sandy the dolphin swims around and uh, the uh, dolphin Sandy uh, has made friends with him and a few other people on in his year and uh, it isn't something that happens to everybody because I believe she doesn't like you she'll uh, she'll go out a bit and then just take a run at you and, and headbutt you and uh, so so perhaps the fin on the back thing is working but I don't think you have to have a fin attached to your back but I was just wondering where do you get one of them where do you buy it was like a a belt around his waist with a big kind of sturdy looking grey fin attached to the back and he puts that on and swims around with the dolphin is the dolphin fooled by this I doubt it his plan was maybe to make the dolphin think he was a dolphin but he looks nothing like a dolphin apart from the fin 
and even the fin to be honest doesn't look like a dolphin's fin either but um, that's what I saw and I had a few drinks in the in the different pubs and I got bloody drunk and I'm actually you know I'm off drink now I'm fed up. I just get these hangovers that are just not 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 painful but I just get down I just get depressed I just get the well we talk about the fear that kind of thing and I'm just uh, nah drinking forget it um, and it's tough because ah, if you're a stand-up comedian you turned up or any no sorry if you're any performer musician or whatever wherever you go you're everybody else's night out so they want to have drinks and 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 you and they and that, but it's my you know so I'm stopping fuck it uh, I went back to Inishir then for a couple of days on my own and I stayed up in this artist's resident and I spent a whole day um, writing and that was great so I must do that That that's a good thing to do just do the whole day no TV nothing just a room and I went all the way to Inishir to do that I don't know why because I guess I could have locked myself in a room anywhere just locked myself in my own room but for some reason I felt I had to go to an island well it's a bloody lovely island and that the, the uh, crossing was fantastic uh, especially coming back because it was choppy and I you know the waves coming in over the over the bit of the boat that has a railing on it you know that bit whatever is it probably it could have been starboard or it could have been the bulwark or the bulwark or the poop deck or the the rigging it could have been any of those things those um, uh, boat terms that one uses um, but yeah so that was good and uh, I've been listening to for some reason I'm all boat sea crazy I've been listening to the uh, great there's a great podcast of um, uh, Moby Dick I've read the book and, and it's, it's a good one and there's a website and a podcast with different people reading diff- every episode of Moby Dick it's really good I, but to be honest I've listened to the first the first did I say episode chapter the first chapter over and over again because I love that you should listen to the first chapter of Moby Dick it's fucking brilliant anyway look hey I'm not here to talk about Moby Dick um, I'm here to introduce you to this chat I had with Arthur Matthews, the co-writer of Father Ted, and a very interesting, funny person. And um, oh, look, I'll say more afterwards. But uh, enjoy this. Okay, see you. Bye. There's nothing coming. Oh, oh, there we go. Sorry. Did you do... Um, when did you do Frank? Frank in October. And has that been on yet? Oh, yeah, that's been... Uh, that was... Is uh, it all up on the, up it, on the list? It, it went up in October, yeah. Is it still up? Or do you it's still... Oh, yeah, they're always up. Oh, they're all they're up. All up. Okay. Yeah, no, I went out to his house. Yeah. Because... Uh, cause, uh, well, he's, he was kind of frail, I guess, at the time, mm-hmm. so... And... Uh, and uh, didn't want to drag him all the way in here, so. 
No, I saw him at his book launch. Can yeah. You Can you talk into the mic? That'd be a good Sorry. idea. <laughs> yes, I saw him at his book launch in Don Leary. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's we're the last recording time. now, or is it? We are, yeah, we're going, going we're, yeah, we're, fl- we're <laughs> it's happening. There was no 3 two, one counting. No. And there's no ad. Back after these ads. So you could fade up into this song. You could fade into it, yeah. Sorry, yes. Well, that's why I was pointing away from the microphone. Because you, you didn't think we were think started. It started, yeah. Well, yeah. You, you, it's definitely started now, has it? It's definitely started. It kind of starts the minute you come into the room sometimes. Right, okay. <laughs> Good, I know the rules. No, no. What, what, are, what are my, am I not allowed to say? Or no, there's nothing you're not allowed to say. Right. Yeah. So the last time you saw Frank was uh, at the book launch. His, of, of I his saw him book. at book launch in Dunleary, yes, before mm. Christmas, I think. Uh, I'm very glad I went. Um, mm. I, I talked to him on the phone a few times since. Well, the book's good. It's good. It's, uh, he's a, he had a very eventful life. You know? Yeah. He's always working very hard because he has seven kids to look after. So yeah. He always worked very hard. And he'd drive down to Cork and back in the one night and stuff. And, and then he'd probably have a... He'd probably play in the abbey at the same time. <laughs> he probably would, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was, I got the impression definitely that he just really had to, you know, he, he didn't turn down much at all because he, he just had to earn money. Yeah. Uh, I actually, he well, he gave me the impression that uh, some fellow actors looked down on that kind of behaviour, going and working <laughs> on other yeah. kind no, of... Yeah, it's no, all, it's all in the book. I mean, the book's very good. It's all yeah. in the book. Yeah. And he'd be in Port Leash or somewhere and he'd, he'd have the changing room with the roof had blown off. So he'd be exposed to the elements and he'd have to change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in in uh, the open, bitter cold of November with no roof. Jesus. So uh, there was lots of this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, he was great, Frank. You know, he was great. He was very funny. I he love it. Naturally, when you put him in front of a camera, he's just very funny. Yeah. So that's why we got him in Ted, really. Uh that's the most important thing, to be funny in front of a camera. Yeah. And you'd never know he had that madness in him just by talking to him. Well, you, you would eventually, but, but at first he comes across as very quite polite kind of He's guy. very, yeah, he was kind of thoughtful and, and quietly mm. spoken. And, uh, but he was, he was, he didn't like being on his own. It's in the book as well. When he was doing Ted in London, he didn't like being away from his family. Mm. And he was in a flattened zone and uh, he didn't like it, you know. He liked being around people. So when he was down in Clare when we were recording the show, he'd be in the pub yeah. having a few drinks, you know. Mm. He was kind of, you know, he didn't like being on his own. Yeah. And his family is a huge family, so, mm. and he was from a big family as well. So he just liked being around people. Did you know that at the time when you were shooting, that he was feeling a bit... No, not at all, no. 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 I think it was okay. I mean, you used to go back at the weekends. I mean, I wouldn't mind that at all. Like, when I go over to, to London, like when I was filming Toast, the show I did um, during the summer, mm. I just they just put me up in a a kind of a ho- apartment hotel kind of place. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind being on my own there at all. I yeah. Mean, I wouldn't like to go to prison for a solitary confinement for 50 years. Mm. But generally, I, I don't mind that kind of thing. Even when you were in the... I mean, you were sharing a flat with Arthur. Uh, sorry, you are you are Arthur. Uh, <laughs> people always mix it up. I, 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 sometimes I get mixed up. As yeah, well. I am Graham. I had a meeting with this guy <laughs> called Shane. What was his name? Kenton Allen. Kenton Allen. 
Yeah. Who was from a production company in England? He's mm. quite well known. He met me in the Groucho Club for something, some mm. idea he had, and called me Graham entirely during the entire time we were there. Yeah. But, uh, and you didn't correct I No, I didn't know. I preferred not to correct him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny with duos because um, Charlie um, Higgs and Paul Whitehouse, I mean, I know both of them, you know, but because I always associate them together, I'd. I'd I'd meet Charlie and say, mm. "Hi, how's Charlie?" And he'd say, "I'm I'm actually Charlie." So it can happen with you know, double acts. Happen me and Paul Hylek. Yeah, yeah. Imagine would you? Yeah. People just think we're brothers. <laughs> you know, he's half Sri Lankan. You know, we, know, yeah. But we just took on each other's characteristics. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does happen. But I was think I was going to say. Uh, because I stayed with you a few times in that flat in Kilburn. Oh, did you? I can't remember it so long. I did, yeah. And I remember one... I stayed uh, one weekend anyway, but on a Sunday. When you were shooting Ted, obviously. Well, yeah, but also before I shot Ted, I stayed when I was... Uh, uh, um, Graham... I met Graham over here and I was going over to do the odd stand-up gig yeah. and he said, oh, you can stay if you're over. God, I don't remember this. Yeah. Funny. I made a great that was, impression. That was uh, well. It's just so long ago. I know. It's yeah. a long time ago. But that was but, Griffiths Jones flat. He owned that flat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he, uh, as he got incredibly richer and richer, he he bought lots of houses and uh, mm. he passed them down. I mean, we paid rent in it. Like mm. Griff is very good to us. But he, uh, I remember being there once with Graham, and there was a huge Graham had about a million books. Mm. And he'd put them all up on the shelves, shelving unit, massive thing. And it was like a crash, like a bomb. And the whole thing had collapsed. It was just completely collapsed. And then we told Griff, because he was the landlord. And he said, well, that's, I put that up. <laughs> 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 that was handiwork, wasn't great. But God, yeah, that's 20, 25 years ago, whenever it is. In one of the days I was staying there, yeah, you uh, came out of your room at some point and said, uh, I've just watched three uh, football matches in a row and there was no goal. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. You'd watch like... <laughs> that's extraordinary. That's like something I would do, but... Uh, like five hours of that. football. Isn't that extraordinary? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I do keep a diary now just to... Yeah. Just, and I have for about 12 years, just so, because you do forget so much stuff. So yeah. I look back at things that happened ten years ago, and I've no memory of them at all. Mm. You know, but um, you do forget so much stuff. I mean, that's amazing. You stayed in the flat now because I wouldn't really remember that. Really? Yeah. No, I don't. Well, think so. um, do you? Uh, you're a Drada United fan, right? Correct. For, for life. Yeah, From well, what age? Yeah, as well, since I was about ten or eleven, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Going to the matches. Oh yeah. From then. Who brought you? Your father? Uh, yeah, initially, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was um, he was a big sports fan. He was a great racing man. He went to loads of race meetings. He's a really good golfer. Mm. Um, he was just very sporty, swimmer and all that. He was very old. He was born in 1903. Oh, yeah? So I wasn't that close to him, really. But, yeah, and then... But that was when I was about 10 or 11. That's when I got into football and music and stuff. And mm. I was a bit Leeds fan at the time. But yeah, no, I've always gone on and off, like, you know. But I, I do, uh, um, it's something I've always done. But he used to go to see Dundalk in the 60s as well. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, he just go to lots of things. All right. And you, were you involved in the video that was made about Drogheda United? No, I, I went, no, well, I, 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 I might have been interviewed in it. Right, yeah. And I went to the launch of it. 
with uh, this Mick the Mod McAvoy he's a good yes, friend of mine I've met him the odd time in Drogheda what, yeah. what's the video called it's called Tin White Duke or something or what is it no again I've forgotten I think there's something to do I don't know why all the young dudes all the young dudes sorry I don't know why I thought that's it yeah I'm probably yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Interviewed. I went to the I lounge I knew there was a Bowie connection yeah I do remember going to the lounge but yeah that was yeah. good fun yeah that was very good fun actually that night Right, yeah. But I'm from Raymond. We're both from. You're from Mead, farming background. Well, aren't you? I uh, grew, well, I was born in Chum and Galway, and then uh, when I was about five, yeah, we moved to Mead. Yeah, because yeah, I heard background. you say that. And why you you got land or something? The land commission moved people uh, from took up uh, the small farms in the west were kind of trying to amalgamate them and give them to one farmer and then move people from the west to the east and I think they bought up these estates like we moved into a place Somerville Estate was split up between about five or six farmers Our that's na- like something that happened in the 1890s it's, it's strange isn't it and it's why uh, if, if you listen to Angle D's um, the one when I interview Angle yes, D I that, yeah. she uh, I don't know if she mentioned it but it's in the book anyway the farm, there was a little farm in uh, Sligo that yeah. the father had left yeah. behind but the government were going to take it if yeah. it was left fallow yeah I heard that yeah. and so basically that's the reason and she, she hated ended, it and she hated it so <laughs> she came from Manchester <laughs> You know. So where was your farm and me then? Uh, uh, Balrath. Balrath, Balrath is, is near um, Kentstown or uh, near Delique now, but further uh, towards Navan. Yes, um, Castletown, which is kind of where north. is that? It's near Nobber, Dunshockland area. All right, it's a big county. So you grew up in a farm. I did, yeah. All right, what a dairy. Uh, it was everything, I think. Yeah, but only till I was seven. Then my father was very old. Yeah. So he sold it. Right. And we moved to Rush for a year. Rush. We moved to Termsvacken. You know, it. Yeah. Uh, but so he just retired, like, that was it. Yeah, yeah, he was in the 60s, like. You yeah. Know, and did your mother work or she, his wife? She was in the, she was from Cavan and she was a nurse in the hospital, in the infirmary in Navan. Yeah. And my father's mother, uh, on the farm, like he he was in the farm all his life, and his parents, his father died in the forties. His mother lived on till the fifties, and he was in his fifties. And she went in the hospital because she was very old, and my mother looked after her. So that's where my father met my mother. Yeah, she was looking after his mother. So yeah. And was there a big age di- difference between it your was father? Seventeen and years. Seventeen, yeah. She was from. Uh, she, w- I mean, my, my father. He was a big farm, like, but my mother was from Cavan, and her father had been in the RIC, the police force, in the twenties. All right. But then, I've never got to the bottom of this. He saw some bad black and tan outrage, and left the RIC and promptly joined the IRA. Then, which was a very unusual thing wow. to do, because the IRA, I mean, black and tans were brought in essentially to protect the RIC. Mm. So it was very unusual for him to leave the RIC and join the the IRA. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know that at the time. I just know it because when my aunt died, she had lots of cuttings of his of his death, you know, death notices and little yeah. obituaries of him. So I didn't know that. I knew he was in the RIC, but I didn't. I, I knew he saw some atrocity or some black and tan incident because mm-hmm. my uncle used to talk about it as well. But then, as a result, he joined the IRA. Then he was a Fianna Fáil. Whereas my father's father was very big Fine Gael and he was a Fine Gael TD in the coming to Gael in the twenties for about five years. That's a big, uh, big switch. 
uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know much about mm. my mother's family, really, you know. But they were a big yeah. family. I knew a bit about them. His, her father was from Galway as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what part do you know? Is it Holly Park? I don't know. Don't know that place. Don't know. Yeah. We used yeah. to go and see visit relatives out in Galway. Yeah. And my father used to go to the races in um, Salt Hill every year. So we always used to go and stay in the caravan. He'd go to the races. And we'd play Ludo or something in the caravan <laughs> against the pelting rain. And <laughs> we'd go over long drives to Clifton and Mam Cross. Oh. Uh, and come back again. Uh, but I did like it. There was caravans. There were bunk beds in the caravan and you could mm. light them, light little gas lights. Yeah. So that was quite fun. It was very mm. different. It was a very long drive to go away. Cause yeah, we massive. We used to go home, or, you know, go back to go away once a year and it was like a massive excursion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a long way and out to Connemara. Mm. It's like when you go to Skibbereen or somewhere from... Cork City, like it's like another an hour and a half or something from Cork City. Yeah, even the journey to Emmys, uh, moving was a huge thing. It was like going, was going east, but I mean we were Fort Anglia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we went off with a caravan Cop. one year to yeah. the back of the car. Yeah, then to where is it? Kilkee, and where's that Clare? Somewhere around near. Yeah, the yeah, Kilkee. Yeah, I remember that as well. Just going off in the caravan. Yeah, bizarre. And I think we had a mattress tied to that roof as well. Look, it was like Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, unbelievable. How old were you when you went from Galway then to Meath? How old was I? Yeah, uh, fourish. So you five, remember? Eight. So you kind of remember? Uh, well, I remember uh, Galway. A uh, couple of two memories. One is of getting a, a large red uh, car <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> The toy car, and uh, the second memory is of a car crash that mm. happened near the uh, near the house. Uh, a van. I remember seeing a van coming. Now I think I'm maybe, but I remember a child crying. So it was a, a travellers in a van. They didn't take the corner. There was a dangerous yeah. bend, and they crashed yeah. the car. And I remember that child. I have very clear memory in Navan yeah. visiting some of my mother's relatives in Navan, mm. and uh, I was upstairs, and. My, the relatives, I can't, it was some second cousin of my mother or something, I remember, they had a young hippie-like uh, son who had long hair. Mm. And he, I remember the ticket on the wall of Manchester United against Watford in the European Cup. So that would put it about 1968. Mm. But maybe around then or a bit younger, I remember being upstairs in their house and looking out on the street and there was a hardware shop across the road. Mm. And there was some fella trying to get into the shop and this, the guy who owned the shop, for some reason, was beating him off with a belt. Yeah. And he was whacking him really hard with the belt. The other guy must have been drunk or something. Hmm. I remember very clearly because it was quite shocking, you know? Yeah. That. Yep. that was quite shocking. And around the time, I also remember seeing a Shakespeare play on television. It was horrible where someone gouges someone's eyes out. What age were you then? I don't know. It was about six or something. Yep. It was just on TV. It was really horrendous, I remember I also remember hiding behind the sofa when King Kong was on TV as well. Yeah. So they're my early me early memories of horror. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the hand that film, the hand scared the yeah. shit out of me. Well, there was a, there was um, a series on UTV uh, called uh, what was it? I can't remember what it was called. It was all the Wolfman films and Dracula mm. and Frankenstein. Mm. And then it started off with Frankenstein, which wasn't that scary. 
It was a bit scary. Mm. Then the Wolfman, which is a bit scarier. And then mm. Dracula, which I found was really kind of scary. So in the end, it was kind of disturbed by the whole thing. Do you know what? Like, I, I was afraid of films uh, up until I was uh, probably around 19. Like, I would get scared. Like, And I think that's something to do with being brought up with uh, religion. You start, you believe in... Oh, yeah, me too. Know, you, oh, oh, yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I still... No, I've never seen The Exorcist. Like, that'd be too scary. I'd never go and see that. Even now, I wouldn't go and see it. I, I, I got it out in, I was in, it was about 40 <laughs> I thought I will watch it now what was it like it, it has to date it yeah it's fine it's dated, you could so watch so it I could watch it you could watch it yeah because okay. it's a bit dated yeah. anything with the uh, but, um, religious things even like uh, the song of Bernadette about Lourdes yeah I find pretty scary kind of weird and scary and, and uh, anything supernatural even now I'd go I'd probably see the song of Bernadette now yeah, I'd look at it with more jaded eyes. Yeah, but yeah, and anything to do uh, the big end of the world fair when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, religion really it, it was terrible. It was terrible I was watching so. Alien when I was about nineteen, twenty maybe, and uh, I couldn't watch the whole film. I had to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't I mind mean, that so much. I wouldn't mind anything with us that didn't have a supernatural element. I prefer aliens to demons or anything. If I had to choose. But I just think if you've brought up with a belief in something like the devil or whatever, oh, yeah. then you can believe anything then. Oh, that's exactly... I always yeah. say that to everyone. That's funny you should say that. I always say that. If you mm. can believe that stuff, religion, like you can believe anything. You know, nothing is too fantastic or crazy. Mm. I always say that to people. It's funny you should say that. Mm. There are no parameters. But I've given up all that stuff now. It's just crazy, the whole thing. It's just mad. It's just mad, the whole thing. Yeah. Religion. But yeah, I'm just saying, like, even though you might uh, just logically think it's mad, I think because it's been it's so ingrained, ingrained, yeah, exactly, it's yeah, still yeah, hard yeah. To, to. I totally agree. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's good to meet, um, you know, someone who who uh, who relates to that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Jesus, the madness of growing up with that. Yeah, um, because I remember, like, actually, my mother was dying in the room next door, and I was like praying to the Virgin Mary that she wouldn't die. Yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, this is yeah. kind of yeah, yeah. Stuff you've grown and up with. And I had religious pictures on the walls, and I used to take them down in case they start moving around. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just all that kind of and horrible images of when you go to the stations of the cross, just dreadful images of torture and and suffering around really dark, horrible stuff. Yeah. I saw a program about um, Catholics. I think it was called Catholics on BBC Four. Mm. Just recently, like t- well, ten years ago, about English Catholics. Mm. and there was just some priest and he was bringing them to the stations of the cross all these kids and then having a discussion about the nature of Satan just thought if you really want to mess someone's mind up that's what you do you know it's fucking ridiculous I think someone should actually sue them or bring them to court over Mm. exposing children to images of torture and cruelty and then having a discussion about whether Satan exists or not well he does exist according to them so that's awful. Well, it is awful. I mean, you, know, you can imagine because you have children now. Imagine your six-year-old daughter. Imagine yeah, some no. strange man just telling her that you can go to hell. And you know yeah. what I mean? It's. I want to keep her away from all that stuff. Yeah. But two of my uncles were priests. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. One was very uh, conservative, and he was the oldest in the family, and the other was the youngest. In my mother's family. Mm. And Uncle Paddy had stayed in Ireland all his life, and uh, mm. he was parish priest in Tullamore and. Rochford Bridge and places and Uncle Tom had gone off to England mm. so he was more 
he only died a few years ago. He's the last one with his family, but he was um he ran the Irish one of the Irish centres in Birmingham. Mm. In Hansworth, which is one of the blackest places in Britain. Like it's all reggae. Oh yeah, like Hansworth Revolution. Revolution. Yeah. Black Pulse. But yeah, it's a little enclave. Because we used to go over a lot and see him. Because my I had a lot of my mother's family emigrated over to Coventry and Birmingham. Right, yeah, I have an uncle still in Birmingham. Yeah, I yeah. mean, still alive in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. A couple so of aunts there. Yeah. Uncle Paddy was very, he was kind of severe. I always tell the story. Right. I've told it a million times before, but it's mildly amusing. Mm. Whereas I was at home about 1989 in the sitting room with Uncle Paddy. My sister, my mother were in the other room doing cooking his dinner or something. Mm. On Prince Live in Concert was on TV. It was just me and my, uh, my 75-year-old uncle. Look, it was a very stern priest looking at in silence. Mm. And Prince was doing sexy motherfucker. <laughs> and my uncle just said to me, uh, what the hell will be going on in his mind? I said, I couldn't really respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was Uncle Paddy and Uncle Tom. He's very funny. He he's the, he's the, he said mass. I always said this is how I always tell these stories. But he did say mass in a car once, which I thought was fantastic. He said mass in a car. Yeah, in Dublin Airport. That's just looking at that. Is this recording? It's very small. Is it right? Yeah. But it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> is there any way of checking? <laughs> oh look, that's oh, better now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's oh right. Okay. Because I've got a very... Talk um, into the mic a bit. Hello. Ah, oh, that's brilliant, yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Well, anything else? It's fine, it's all there. But, um, Go ahead. He said mass in a car. He said mass in a car in Dublin Airport because he was flying in from Birmingham yeah. and I was going to fly out to London the same day and he used to come over and say my mother's anniversary mass. and uh, But I was flying out so there was no time for him to say mass so he said I'll, I'll say mass in the car. He was hiring the car to, before going down to Wexford to see a bunch of nuns in Wexford. So we said, yeah, okay. So we went to the Hertz rent-a-car place, <laughs> and he got the keys. And we went to the car, and he had all mm. this stuff in a in a in a hold all like the chalice and the, all the silver, the hosts and all that. So we were in the back seats, and he was in the front, and he just said mass behind uh, the steering wheel. Did he face around? Yes. No, no. It no. was all done okay. through the mirror, the driver's mirror. We looked at him through that, and uh, so terrible. like the old mass, really, the Latin mass where they. Priest turned his back to the. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really remember the Latin man. He didn't say it in Latin. No. Little right. brief, you know, sermon about my mother and. Uh, yeah. But he brought the whole thing in in less than twenty minutes. I'd say there's all these passing by world in the car park. Yeah. Passing by the pilots and their hostesses, and uh, that was a great moment. Like you know, brilliant anecdote. It's amazing because if you put that, if you had put that in Father Ted, <laughs> people would thought, yeah, "Oh, that's I hilarious!" Know, the way I know, you. Yeah, he was very funny, Uncle Tom. Yeah. He had, uh, I remember one of his, he was ordained in 1959, the same year we were born. I've got a twin sister, so we were born in 59. But mm. he, You uh, have twin sisters? Yeah, yeah. But you're a twin as well? Well, I have to be if I've got a twin sister. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought you had two sisters who were <laughs> twins. <laughs> Go ahead, no, you have a twin sister, yeah. I've got who's my twin. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if she was a twin to another sister, I could say I have two <laughs> twin sisters. <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, Uncle yeah. Tom was he had his anniversary mass in 1999. Mm. But uh, there was a band called, playing in the Irish Centre called the Silvertones. I remember him saying about them. He said, "The great thing about this band is you can talk over them." <laughs> <laughs> 
he was funny. He was great. He was great. He was very nice. Yeah, I liked Uncle Tom a lot. He was a gentle type of man. Yeah. You know? uh, it's a long. He was a monsignor actually. He became by the time he died, he was a monsignor. Wow. He'd worked his way up through the ranks, and he worked at a time um, at the, at some time in the seventies or eighties. Lots of boat people came to Birmingham from Vietnam. Really, and he was very involved with with that as well. So mm. he's a good man. Mm. But Uncle Paddy, the older priest, he was much sterner. You know, he was quite stern. And were they like? Um, did they ever think uh, of sex at all? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask them. I didn't overtly ask them. Oh. Paddy, Uncle Paddy, and while we were looking at Prince live in concert, Uncle Paddy, you see that and you must think about sex a bit, do you? Well, it strikes me ask. from his comment that he didn't. He didn't. Uncle he couldn't Tom, understand what we, we Prince was know, on about. We don't know what goes on in their minds. Hmm. Um, I don't know. We why don't I, know. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't. Hmm. I wouldn't like to. Uncle Tom seemed more innocent maybe mm. Uncle Paddy used to go off on these trips to America we have amazing he used to took lots of photographs slides mm. uh, we have boxes and boxes of colour slides he took in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. and he went off again in 59 he went off to America and took all these pictures it's great pictures of him like some of his slides are up in I don't know where he was at the time some parish he was in and they're all his parishioners they're great really good shots like colour mm. And uh, there's one show of some roadworks outside the par- you know, the parochial house or whatever. And then beside that is a picture of him lying in the beach in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing blue sun sunlight and blue skies, and just by the by uh, in some hotel, like by a swimming pool in Florida. And he's giving a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, is this a holiday? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, Church paid for him. I don't know. Paid for go him. Off, off, on a yeah, he went off. He enjoyed the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he liked the fine things in life. You remember when he called at the house, my mother would have to, or she would cook him a, a nice meal. And he, let, he left lots of bottles of wine when he died. We yeah. got loads of bottles of wine, but I think it was years old. And I think we tried opening some of them, and but they were all off. I don't oh, think they'd aged well or whatever. Right. But um, yeah, so that was that was um, lots of priests. I mean, and my uncle Tom as well. He'd always called to the house, and he'd always seem to have a, another priest with him. And the other priest, a lot of the time, would be recovering from a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd just talk. This it was very Father Ted. They'd just talk about um, other priests, you know. Mm. And there's a bit in Father Ted where Michael Stone's uh, father, Michael Redmond's Father Stone character mm. calls and he just, I mean, I always liked that idea of not being able to talk to someone at all, just no conversation, being very hard to talk to someone. Mm. And that Dougal says to him, how old would Father Short I'll be? Would he be 80 now? And that was a classic kind of conversation that my Uncle Tom would have when he'd be in the house with other priests. Yeah. Some of whom would be recovering from a stroke. So it's all um Hackett, Jack Hackett, and think I think there's a father Hackett I remember as a kid, vaguely, yeah. you know. But there was just all these priests around in the house and just in the country, you know. They were just yeah. everywhere, all yeah. over the place. Yeah. And did you go to a Christian Brothers School? No, I didn't. No, no. I went to I went to Castanock. I mean, you know, oh. was, um my father was mm. a Big farm. He'd he'd gone to Castanock. His father. I mean, were, he was a big farmer, you know. So, mm. on my father's side, my mother was from more humble background. But now I went to Castanock, Vincentians. Mm. Uh, 
which was it was fine. I, mean, I was very unremarkable there, you know. I didn't make much of an impression. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone played rugby, and I didn't fit in. I don't mm. really feel I fitted in much mm. anywhere, except just until today in this studio. This is finally I feel I've come home. <laughs> it's great you feel that now, <laughs> eventually. That is I that we're still recording? Because I've got when I hear my voice recorded back. Yeah. On the rare occasions I listen, though, I always think it sounds like. Um, like a rather kind of monotone. My family, we joke about it all the time. Yeah. It's I'm, very not, I'm not making an impression on that pink. <laughs> it's like a heart machine thing, isn't it? If it stops, yeah. you're dead. Hello? You see, you can, if you really make an effort. I <laughs> <laughs> just shout loudly. Uh, yeah. But I'll, I'll push, bring that thing. No, don't, but just bring that right into you there. Just yeah, like it's, it's literally it. inches away from me anyway. Yeah. I cramp my style. Oh, there, that's brilliant now. Yeah. I can hear it in my headphones. But then anyone listening to this is going to have to adjust the volume. So they no, it, that'll down. be done in editing. All right, okay. It's mm. a technical lesson. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, when you left uh, Castlenock, did you go straight into college then? I did, yeah. Uh, um, DIT? Yeah, I did. Well, it was, yeah, yeah College of Marketing Design. It wasn't uh, oh. everyone, all Ireland, those people went to. The, the other one the one in uh, Santry, near Santry yeah whatever I can never remember um, NIHE NIHE that's the one yeah so no, went I went to a completely different one I did uh, graphic art uh, why did you because you were you uh, were you interested in art oh yeah I mean I was yeah. good I was you know I could draw and I still do a bit I still try and do a bit when I can hmm. so that's why I did that but uh, I mean looking back I was very unprepared just you know the carelessness of it not really thinking about what I do mm. just, it seems weird looking back I remember I applied for um, the architecture course in Bolton Street as well mm-hmm. which would have been a disaster man I'm not an architect I'm just not an architect mm. so I did graphic design I didn't even probably even know what it was uh, I probably roughly knew what it was so I did that for four years then I stayed on the students union God knows why. Oh, well, I do know why, because a friend of mine, Mick Nugent, was president of the student union. He says, come on, do you want to stay on for a year and just... You can be treasurer. Yeah, but I can't really count. It doesn't matter. You, you know, don't have to count. It's fine. I'll do it. So mm. I stayed on for a year doing that. And then... Were you booking uh, bands and things? I wasn't in the Yens no. thing at all. Oh, I was treasurer. Right. <laughs> I literally can't do long division. Yeah. I literally can't do long division. I don't know how to do it. For yeah. some reason, oh, it's just bizarre looking back. Uh, but yeah, but that brought me up. That wasted another year. Mm. And then I was on to the, the, the At the time, there's all these Anko courses that people would go on. Anko, yes. Remember those? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They're all the course because okay, I couldn't get a job in graphic design, of course. I mean, that was just ludicrous. I mean, like remember re- <laughs> bringing up someone and saying. Um, they advertised the job graphic designer wants so I rang them up yeah I'm a graphic designer I've got a qualification and they said uh, well you have any experience no no I've just I've just come out of college don't, don't have any experiences and he says well I, we can't train you and I said I don't have to be trained because I just went to college for four years yeah. but no it was just the idea that you get a job after doing a graphic design course very few people got jobs I think because Nobody wanted a design for they their... They didn't want people who weren't experienced. And, like, you know, oh, okay. everything worked in Ireland. You just had to know somebody, really. Mm. That's how you got on. So then there was a few... I did a, a wall mural painting course. 
Yeah. We painted something, some, was it some, I remember it was up in Parnell Square somewhere, some room, and you're painting the mural. I knocked over a massive black pot of paint on the carpet. I remember that very mm-hmm. well. Then I did um, a screen printing course out in Cabra. Mm. Uh, and that was really messy. I remember that being really, really messy. And then. Literally the t- messy. It was literally very messy, yeah, mm. very messy, and I'd wear overalls and things. Mm. And then there was, I was trying to do a bit of illustration. I was doing, uh, I did some illustrations for the Sunday Tribune. They'd never pay me. Had to get some uh, some lawyer onto them to get money off them. And it was a measly amount as well, like yeah. tiny amount. And it was just feckless and just, um, you know... What was I doing? I don't know. I did. I tell you, what I did. I did a bit of um, Viz. I saw Viz magazine. I remember at mm-hmm. the time, I did a similar with Mick Nugent. Uh, I did a, a Viz like magazine, and then I sent some some car, some stuff to Viz as well, and they they used some stuff. Uh, did they? Yeah, yeah about eighty four. That was about eighty four. Wow. Um, what was the magazine? It was called Gackbag. Gag bag, yeah, yeah, and uh, any copies still around? Well, I've got a few, yeah, yeah. And yeah. where, how, where did you sell it? Or I went to a few. There was a few record shops in Dublin. They used to do fanzines, yeah, like Freebird or yeah, places yeah. like that. I think there's a few other few places. Yeah. So we got a few printed and gave them there and sent them there. And it was it was sent one into NME and it was mentioned in NME. I remember. Wow. It was in the NME. It might, there might even have been some kind of fanzine chart in the NME. Uh, but I don't remember again. It's a long time mm. ago. But yeah, so it was. But it was just uh, all a bit aimless and. Uh, and then, uh, when did you end up working in Hot Press? Well, I ended up uh. in Hot Press because they were looking for a graphic designer to lay the thing out, and I knew, mm. I knew a few people there. I knew Declan Lynch, Tony mm. Clayton Lee. Actually, uh, he kind of got me the job really. And at the time, were you going to see bands around? Oh yeah, that kind of, what kind of bands were, were around at the time then? Was that? Well, I mean, uh, when I was in college, I remember there was about three months in 78, the end of 78, when mm-hmm. I saw The Clash and The Jam and The Stranglers. <sighs> serious? Within about a month of each other. And The Buzzcocks as well. Where? Oh, what venue was that? Uh, Top Hat and Dunleary. And Dunleary, yeah. Right, right. And then there was a place called, uh, was it Dino's Rock Palace or something in Mary Street? Uh, I saw The Buzzcocks there. And then you'd see, like, Stiff Little Fingers were playing a lot. And you'd mm. see... Uh, I must have seen the undertones then uh, on on bands like the Lurkers, yeah, and uh, the Revillos. I love the Rosillos actually. That's one mm. of my favorite punk albums, the Rosillos album. Mm. And any of the Irish Radio bands Stars. like Chant Chant Chant. Do you remember that? The Irish bands, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone go and see the Blades, and something happens. And uh, yeah, there's a band called the Candy Shop. I really liked. Right, scale the heights. There were bands. This is p- probably a bit later when I was in the hot press. That's later, yeah. And when you were around in Guernica, I was around then. And be- yeah. but before that, didn't Paul Woodfull have a band before Skank Mooks? Skank Mooks. Yeah, because I remember seeing that name. I was still in school, but I seeing that name in the hot press yearbook and going, yeah. just loving the name. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. But how did you get into Guernica? What was that? How did that happen? I was just working in Max Records, second-hand record place in George's Arcade, and I had a bit of an attitude to customers, and the fellas in the band liked that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, asked me to sing in their band. They'd never heard me sing around. This just is like how Johnny Rotten joined the Sex Pistols. Right. 
But what they had a band called Garnica already. Yeah, already. Yeah, that uh, the guitarist was singing, and uh, but he couldn't sing. So, so they asked you. This is just like what happened with, with Rotten then in the Sex Pistols, just because of your attitude. Yeah. So what was your attitude? Well, it was just a bit nonchalant and rude to customers, you know. <laughs> really. And um, see, yeah. people would, uh, you know, when someone would say, "What's this like?" I go, "Shit." <laughs> yeah, good for you. Yeah. There was Advance Records as well, uh, um, a Freeboard and Advance Record. I got the Sex Pistols album in Advance Records, I remember. Yeah. But you, so that's how you get, got into Guernica, yeah. But yes. were you into music, at the big into music? Yeah, yeah, I was big into music. I was in a band at school as well for a while and, uh, yeah, so I know I was big into, uh, obviously, punk. I mean, the stuff I was, I loved Ian Jury. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved that. I saw him um, a few times. Yeah, I never saw him. I saw him in Dublin and I saw him in Castle Bar as well. The rock festival out in Castle Bar. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're into in, in Jury and Hall? Yes, I remember buying the New Boots and Panties and uh, putting it on. And there was no one in the house. My sister and my father were out shopping. Mm. And the album was playing. And then my sister came back from shopping just as he sang... Arseholes, oh, bastards, <laughs> fucking cunts and pricks. Yeah. Called, That's yeah, lovely music yeah, you're yeah. listening to there. Yeah. Well, I was in but a band uh, called Adored by Millions yeah. uh, for a brief period as well in the 80s, 81, 82. We only ever played about six gigs. Uh, but I went to, I remember I went to, uh, Ray and my sister, we went to uh, McCroom Rock Festival in 78. Rory I was in McCroom in 78 uh, I don't know Elvis Costello played I think the Undertones and um, uh, what you call the band that had Dave Edmonds and Nick Rockpile. Lowe Rockpile yeah, yeah. they played a no, that, was, that was later yeah, so I went yeah. in 78 alright uh, yeah. and bizarrely this, uh, not bizarrely but there is a documentary about the 78 McCroom oh yeah gig made by a German company which I saw last year I hadn't seen it since 1978 yeah but we were there, um, my sister, and um, hanging around, and um, there was a, a fellow with black hair who looked a bit different from everyone else. And we said, you know who that is? That's Johnny Rotten, isn't it? And it was, and he just dyed his hair black, so no one was really paying much attention to him. So we went over and chatted to him. you serious? Yeah. And we said, uh, I remember very clearly, because I remember he was drinking cans of harp lag or the... Yeah. And he was over for the Hop the Hop Press Kick Me Kiss Me Quick Awards, uh, which are also in that film and the the little film of McCroom in '78. Right. And so we went over to Leiden and we were chatting to him. I remember saying to him, uh, "So what 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 do you call yourself now? Is it Rotten or Leiden?" And he said, "It's Rotten, cause that's what I am." <laughs> Uh, and we were going to go and he says oh right you know all about me tell me about you which is kind of unusual yeah he was great you know I mean when you see him and I've just read his, his second autobiography or Ang- Anger is an Energy and he's very obnoxious in it really and you see old clips of him on Pill yeah he's just really obnoxious I saw him on the BBC a couple of years ago I didn't go up to him though yeah he was with his entourage well when we met him he was absolutely fine you know but um Liam Mackey, who I knew in Hot Press, is a friend of mine. Uh, he was he had to look after Lydon that weekend. Yeah. And he arrived off the plane and saw Liam with... He might have had a placard or a little sign <laughs> saying, John, Johnny Rock. Johnny Rock. 
so rotten to Liam and he just said to him here I am entertain me oh yeah that sounds like Johnny Rotten but yeah no I like the festivals a lot I'm going to see uh, I saw them the reunion a few years ago and uh, I never saw them at the time yeah I saw them at the Electric Picnic did you yeah I yeah. saw them in Shepherd's Bush or was it no Hammersmith Odeon a few years ago right yeah I, used, I, used, I saw lots of those bands uh, Rich Kids I remember seeing uh just bands have been forgotten. There's a band called Alberto Ilos Trios Paranoias. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember seeing I saw Tom Robinson band in, uh, in UCD. Right. And I saw I saw the adverts, but that was in about May 78. And mm. I thought, actually, these are terrible, to be honest. Like, these are really poor band. Mm. And I kind of then thought, well, punk's over. Punk's a bit. Really. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of over. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I used to go to all those bands. Uh, but then I got into Hot Press. I was working in Hot Press in 85. And that's is that when you met Paul Woodfull? Yeah. Yeah, in Hot Press. He was, was working in graphics as well, was he? Yeah, later. I was there for a while and then uh, oh, I he? was assistant yeah. to Ian McCall, was his name. And uh, then I became art director. It's such a fancy, fancy name, but it really was just sticking bits of paper down in the right order. And using bits yeah. of letter set, yeah, it was very basic. I mean, it looks so much better now. And occasionally, I'd think I'd stick things down the wrong order, you know, and mm. that was a bit embarrassing. But Niall Stokes was very understanding, actually. Um, he was and the editor at the interview. Niall and Maureen, uh, his partner and co, you know, they ran Hot Press together. But they asked me. Uh, because the production weekends there were so much was done in the short time it was really hard work and long days but they did ask me have you ever they said like this could be tough have you ever worked hard in your life and I said honestly no I haven't <laughs> I'll be honest no I don't have ever actually worked very hard ever um, but I still got the job which I thought was great <laughs> <laughs> that's class very honest answer but I honestly looked, searched through my memory bank and thought no I haven't yeah. actually I did have a shit job once in uh, Boland's Mills for one summer job yeah when they had to sweep a lot of flour off the floor well that was just I, that was terrible that was that was it was just horrible mm. but uh, I, I you know people go off and get summer jobs and I used to just stay at home and just think about stuff and go mad and it was a very bad idea. I should have gone off picking tomatoes in Holland or something. That would have been better. But uh, I didn't. But anyway, I eventually ended up in Hot Press. And, uh, that's uh, in 85, uh, where I met Paul and Graham and people, yeah. So you met Paul first would have been, I think, because wouldn't, wouldn't it have been? Uh, Paul. He, he would have, I was there for a while before Paul came along. Yeah, but I, Paul would have uh, came in first before Graham as well, wouldn't he? Uh, maybe, I can't remember, maybe a little bit before. Right, uh, okay. See, Paul was staffed there. Yeah. And uh, so we were laying, we were really close together on desks beside right, each other yeah, laying yeah. the magazine out. Whereas Graham wouldn't, he'd just drop his copy in. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, so I didn't see much of Graham. I saw him, then I saw him a, a lot, like, because we used to go down the International on drink down there and go and see so bands and stuff how did the Joshua Trio come about then did because when we were laying the magazine out uh, you know to pass the time we used to sing Paul used to sing U2 songs yeah. in various styles still haven't found what I'm looking for in a jazzy style and uh, 
you know, Paul, I was you know, very close to Paul. He's a really good friend of mine. We were similar-minded in many things. Mm. So uh, I I played drums in a band, uh, and he was a great guitarist, so it was just a silly idea to get the Joshua Trio mm. together, you know. It got it got very... You know, we used to play in the Bag It In and upstairs in the Bag It In, and yeah. see, look out the window and lots of queues of tourists, like, you know. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's because anything with you two connected, we used to see lots of Asian people and people from all over the world. Oh, really? <laughs> and then we be- yeah. became very messianic and Paul started dressing in robes and white robes and grew his hair really long to be a Bono messianic type figure. And yeah. Then he used to go on stage in a donkey. We got a donkey in. I heard about this around Christmas. A Christmas yeah, gig in yeah, the bag yeah. it in. It was yeah. the, the Badass Cafe donkey. Oh, they had a donkey to Yeah, they used to go there. around town advertising right. Badass Cafe. Mm. So yeah, we got it in from... Um, from the side of the, there was some kind of door at the side of the bagot. Mm. So we had to go about 20 yards on stage, like up Paul to was the on stage. the donkey. Yeah. All the, do- yeah, from mm. the donkey, from the side door mm. onto the stage. I mean, we couldn't get the donkey on the stage, but I mean, we were very pleased that we managed to do it. You know, how long can we get away with it now? Bringing donkeys into the venues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it became very, it was very silly, really. I mean, it was, it was a bit shambolic. Looking back, I think. We should have, but well, we didn't really know any better. But looking back now, I think we should have put more of a shape on the show, or yeah, you know, made it more of a show because it was always a bit shambolic. Mm. But it was fun, you know, it was fun on there. Uh, that was amazing. I saw you uh, in Hawkins House with uh, the uh, uh, Gavin Friday was on. I think he might have been the MC, but it was something to do with AIDS. There was an AIDS um, gig, yeah, and. Um, the um, what you call from space? Uh, oh, Jesus Christ! Philip Chevron's band, Radiators from Space. Radiators from Space. Yeah, where I playing a reunion gig. God, I see. I don't and remember that either. Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> I, I ended up being recruited to be a bouncer at the front. I mean, me. Did look at really? the size Good of me. God. For fuck's sake. So what happened with the Guernica then? With, with the Guernica, uh, we released about. We released three vinyl things and uh, like singles, and uh, we recorded an album. Yeah. And then we um, there was a meeting uh, to talk about what we were going to do. And at the at that meeting, the guitarist revealed he'd been rehearsing with another band behind our back. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he was leaving. And then I just, I was 25, and believe it or not, I thought, oh, I'm too old to be in a band. Because I remember, yeah. Weird, weird kind of. Because I was in the hot press at the time. Gurney Regard was pretty serious, like, you know, even the name of the band, like, you know, it was pretty heavy. Kind. Of, I don't think I right. ever saw Gurney, but it was regarded as a kind of serious, very heavy band. Right. George Bourne hated us. Well, he would have, yeah. He yeah. might have, yeah. 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 Um, I don't uh, know. I don't remember seeing it, but I, there was there was a big name Garnick at the time. I remember. Uh, kind of, yeah. No. And did you ever play um, in across the, across in the, pond. the pond? We played a couple of times in London. Uh, where did, what was that Irishy kind of venue? Power Vince Power's place. The Mean Fiddler. The Mean Fiddler. Oh, we played there with the trio. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And we played in the Marquee in the afternoon. Oh, really? Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. yeah Showcase yeah. type gig. Yeah. But after that, you thought my band days are over did you yeah well I'm not really a musician so that kind of you drifted into I it I felt of. like I was not able to because then the next I heard was the Quack Squad and I know. Uh, Joe Rooney's in that he was in Guernica it seemed an odd like yeah 
move switch yeah uh, yeah it was a big switch it's like as if I don't know singer Radiohead started doing comedy <laughs> sketches <laughs> so how why did you go into uh, well Paul, Paul I met Paul Tylock and we were like just hanging out together a lot and he was into comedy and he supported uh, he supported Gary Kay. we got comedians to support us Sean Hughes did oh, really? one yeah. time yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul came up one time and he did his whole set in Sri Lankan and uh, superb yeah <laughs> I totally admire that yeah and uh, so uh, we we just started doing stuff together you know that was it you know just and then I did a I did a improv course that uh, was organised by Billy McGrath and met Ardell yeah. Barry Murphy yeah, all yeah, those yeah. people then so well, I got we into did, it we then. did um, I was doing stuff with the trio but then we did a few comedy oh sketch things not very much me and Paul and Graham on one occasion as well mm. uh, in the international yeah oh did you wow yeah, in the international yeah. yeah but we did we did a thing it was called the fun bunch god it was short lived but it was me uh -huh. and Graham and Paul did a sketch about the famine of course uh, um, of course of course it just seems a natural thing to do <laughs> uh, Jeremy Hardy he was on doing a gig I'm in the project and we did it we've only did it once or twice we ah, did a few right. more things with Paul in the international so you were when did the Quack, when did the Quack Squad start then um, I don't know I was 25 so uh, do the math 27 years ago uh, so um, that's uh, 90 well, that couldn't be right 89 88 yeah 89 88 is that more than that's that's 27 years is it yeah yeah okay yeah yeah I can't do long division but I can yeah do, 88 I can do subtraction yeah around 88 yeah <laughs> 88 89 yeah okay yeah uh, uh, but I mean yeah it only lasted for about 3-4 years yeah um, but um, but so when did you wh why did you decide to head to London then was that because uh, Graham had he decided he, he was um Going over to write for Select magazine, music magazine. Right. He got. He went over, and he said, uh, "Do you?" I'd left Hot Press. I'd been there a while, I think. Mm. Again, it's kind of brave thing to do looking back, because again, mm. I didn't know anything else lined up or anything. Yeah, you'd not lined up. You just went. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and he and says he was over in London. So do you want to come over here for uh. a few months, and we'd write some sketches. So I said, yeah, okay. So we went, I went over in about, I don't know, August 91. Yeah. I'm kind of good on years, actually. Yeah, you are actually good. Yeah. And uh, so we just wrote sketches and sent them into Lenny Henry's radio show. He used one. The first thing ever was something on his show. But really, we, we sent them to, to Smith & Jones because we got some encouragement there mm. from the script editor. Uh, and they gave him to Mel and Griff and then he rang up and said oh Mel and Griff want to meet you and come into some meetings with them mm -hmm. so that was great and we went in in Percy Street in London just off Tottenham Court Road where their offices were and it was a different world really and then you're with Smith and Jones who you'd seen on TV for you know yeah of legendary and then you're there with them round the table and uh, oh it was it was quite exciting, but that we found London to be like that. It wasn't like Ireland where you had to in order to get anywhere you had to know someone. Yeah, 
Whereas in London, we came from nowhere and just sent sketches in and said, yeah, it's good, come on in. And right, yeah. So that was that, and that was uh, when Talk, Talkback, which was their production company, they were doing uh, first Chris Morris stuff and Amanda Minucci stuff. Mm. The day-to-day was being done. Or on the, the radio show on the hour. And uh, was so been we done then, yeah. Them a bit. Yeah, but in fact, the first first night in London... I turned the radio on and on the hour was on because uh, we didn't have a television mm. so I just listened to that I thought it was a news programme but mm. it was Chris Morris's and Armando's uh, spoof news programme mm. it was very funny but it was so authentically done that was that was what the brilliant innovative thing they did was to make the new make it sound really authentic really improvised yeah so you could listen to it for a bit and think oh this is this real or not mm. and then you realise it's crazy mm. So that was going on. The other thing was Vic and Bob were doing their uh, big night out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, mm. and well, I was a huge fan. I, I saw, I'd seen that in Ireland on TV. But Paul was a huge fan as well, and Vic Reeves was like on the cover of NME and things. Mm. So there was this kind of the new rock comedy, new rock and roll. Mm. So I was a huge fan of them. So they were doing their very surreal, silly stuff, and mm. then at the same time, Chris and Amanda were doing their um, very naturalistic. Um, improvised stuff and mm. they're both very different but both mm. happening at the same time so it's all very exciting mm. and, and we wrote uh, one sketch for the day to day when it went on TV which was about um, it was about noisy neighbours and mm. it was about uh, in the landlord in order to stop the noisy neighbours sent a tiger into the flat so we just that's just an idea you know yeah. just write it down and it's two lines of an idea yeah. and then you see then you see they have to get a tiger and <laughs> a trainer and an animal trainer and safety like 10 safety people and they, they do it yeah. and they did it they did it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. that was great yeah. Yeah. but I like I like ideas that are like one of the best ideas I've had which I tried to get going for years was uh, um you know the Bill Grundy interview with the Sex Pistols. Yeah, the uh, you know when he you goes dirty, you dirty old yeah, man, you dirty bastard. Yeah, <laughs> go on, say it, so say it. Go on, you city. dirty fucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I thought for years I had an idea. I just want to do that exactly, but have them all dressed as Amish people. Yeah, and I had I I'd given it this to Paul Whitehouse and Charlie Higgs, and Paul said, "Yeah, it's great. Let's do it." But Sorry, again, I'm getting confused. Paul White or something, and Harry Enfield. Yeah. And Paul said, yeah, that'd be great to do this, but and then, but Harry doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. But eventually, Kevin Eldon, um, who you know, you know yeah, Kevin Eldon, yeah, yeah. He had his own sketch show, and he did it, and uh, yeah. he did it brilliantly, and it's, yeah. it's exactly the same as the Bill Grundy thing, but they're all dressed in, dressed in Amish costumes. That's one of the best ideas I ever had, because that's all it is. It's just an idea. You don't even have to write anything down other than this is the idea. And right. Just do it, you know. So I was very pleased. I saw, I bumped into Kevin. I hadn't seen him in a while. I bumped into him in London last week mm. and thanked him again profusely for doing it because it's one of my best ideas. And that's how you, well, can we look back then? So you, when did you write Paris? That was for Alexi Sale, right? Yeah. Alexi Sale was when that. I didn't talk back, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that, again, very good in years. <laughs> very good in years. We wrote that about 92. Two ninety three. Yeah. Came out in ninety four. Uh, that was we just wrote that script. That was an idea I had. I read this book about mm. Paris in the nineteen twenties. I thought that's a funny area. Mm. 
Mm. So we did that. It wasn't a success. And, but they're very good people. And like all the day-to-day people, right? like Rebecca Front and mm. Patrick Barber, David Sh- Schwimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Schwimmer, he wasn't in it. David Schneider. <laughs> David <laughs> right. Schwimmer from Friends. Right, no. Um, David Schneider. Um, so we did that, yeah. But it wasn't a success. But mm. then James Casty, who was the commissioning editor at Channel 4, commissioned that. And it wasn't a success. But then he commissioned Father Ted. So, like, you know. And Father Ted started off as a idea of a, a, a mockumentary it was, was a it? mockumentary mm. yes which was the, the a one off like a one it was uh, it was called Irish Lives and we were going to do six Irish Lives of different Irish people and one of them was about a priest who went back to his his seminary to catch up mm. on all the all the priests he'd been in the seminary with mm. and one of them was uh, was an old priest who he visited and the old priest was dead he was just asleep in his chair or dead in his chair mm. and the character Ted thought he was just asleep yeah. <laughs> he was chatting away to him <laughs> how are you father how are things I haven't seen you in a while I do want to make some tea I'll go out and make some tea now but he was dead like the whole yeah. time so that became the final episode in series one um, and were you do, you were doing that character live as well, weren't you, Father? Yeah, uh, a character called Father Ted. Yeah, 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 I didn't do it very much. It was just before the Joshua Trio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I God, I didn't do it very much. Right, anymore. right. The only joke I remember is, um, oh, all right. If, if anyone here at the back who can't see, say hello to them because they're from Saint Joseph's School for the Blind, and now. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only joke I remember and then Dougal and McGuire. did some of the lines you used to do were kind of the Graham Norton lines as well did you know the Graham Norton he goes we were yeah. up till nine o'clock that's Gosh. right well, that was Paul's idea it was Paul's was idea because he knew a priest like that yeah who ran uh, some folk group down in Reconciliation out in Wicklow or something yeah God, we, had, we had some night last night and some of us weren't back till half ten yeah <laughs> <laughs> They're very much based on the real tick knock, <laughs> real character. Yeah, uh, but that was definitely Paul's idea. That one, yeah. right? Yeah, Graham, yeah. And Graham, Graham Norton did it because I just heard him on the radio. He's on this show, which is still on the radio four called Loose Ends. Yeah, and he used to be on that, and I thought he sounds <laughs> right. Mm. So that's why, and he happened to be his agent happened to be our agent, coincidentally. So uh, he used to do a character called. Uh, based on Mother Teresa I looked he dressed yeah. up as Mother Teresa I met a woman called Mother Teresa uh, last weekend that was her name really yeah her she was christened Mother Teresa <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, Mother Teresa Kelly yeah it's a bit of a handful does, that yeah. re- does anyone shorten it or did they call her Mother Teresa she said that was her name I presume they just say Teresa but oh, her yeah, name is fun. Mother Teresa that is what can you say that's absolutely brilliant <laughs> yeah it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, and uh, then, uh, whose idea was it then to, uh, was it, uh, to make it into a sitcom? Uh, well, we sent it to production companies, one of which was Hattrick, who did mm. uh, Harry Enfield's show and uh, Have I Got News For You and things like that. So they were pretty well known. Mm. So we sent it to them and they said, yes, we kind of like this, but, you know, we want to turn it into a sitcom because if you turn it into a sitcom it can run for more than one series and keep coming back mm. so we said yeah okay so we had the Father Ted character we had the old priest uh, Jack 
and then we had Dougal who was a kind of young stupid priest hmm. uh, I mean Dougal's character like there's always like Dad's Army you have Pike and uh, Manuel there's always a stupid character like. so yeah. um, so that's where that came from really right yeah 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 um, and you had a cat had, had, when did you think of Dermot then or was that well I knew Dermot uh, a bit mm. through Dak and Lynch I think yeah. I obviously knew him from his work uh, he looked right he sounded right mm. I think he's, that's, he was doing Scrap Saturday I think I sent a few sketches in he used mm. to do you know he, he was brilliant down there doing Jimmy McGee on mm. Scrap Saturday he did a brilliant really funny Jimmy McGee character mm. I don't think he did it enough I remember I wrote, I think I wrote one sketch for him to do a Jimmy McGee character. Mm-hmm. But uh, he had an office out in Ring's End. I remember going out to the office and dropping it in through the door. Yeah? Yeah. But um, and anyway. Uh, did he audition like her? Uh, he, he, just he did come in to meet Jeffrey yeah. Perkins, who was the producer, who produced Harry Enfield and people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I, I thought Dermot's going to be great for this, so... Mm. I s- we said it to Jeffrey and he says yeah I don't know we should see him first though. so mm. he came in and it was a, like a meeting more than an audition mm. he was clearly the only one who was going to do it really mm-hmm. um, and then he was he was. I mean Dermot was very frustrated over here with RTE and everything he was just kind of mm-hmm. I think he'd get very I think he'd go for long drives to get his frustration out yeah yeah he'd just get into the car and drive around the country because he was so angry really yeah, yeah, I think that was one of the things he used to do. So, so when he landed that, he was very pleased. I remember he he rang me up from a drunken lunch he was having somewhere in Dublin. Mm. Very pleased that he was gonna finally get on British television. Mm. But he was great. He was perfect for you. Always was, and like you know, he uh, he looked right. He sounded right. He always he did a slight accent in it, which many, many people probably don't even realise. But he slightly did a wasn't his own accent it was slightly slightly changed a bit too mm. subtle for people in England to notice probably mm. but anyway so we've got commissioned by uh, Seamus Casty who's from Derry who's been really good to us and he's very important in the whole Father Ted thing because after Paris hadn't been a success he could easily have just turned it down Yeah, he didn't mm. and it didn't it was, it was no like with Paris it was Alexi Sale and a lot of well known people in it Whereas Ted was they were in Britain, they were kind of unknowns, really. All unknowns in Britain, yeah. Yeah, like we all suggest, they were all our suggestions, apart from Pauline, who came through the auditions um, okay. process. But apart yeah. from that, because I knew Frank, I knew all Frank and and Dermot and Ardell, I kind of knew. We'd seen him. He didn't did, did this thing in RTE, a Ferdy McGanna directed or produced about um, modern Shakespeare tales. Kind of modern dress Shakespeare kind of short stories or something that was an RTE. Yeah, yeah, and I remember seeing that and saying to Graham, "God, hard to be really good in that." As Dougal, like you know, so that's how that came about. And did you have to push that, uh, Uh, like with Channel Four? I don't remember. I think I don't remember. I I remember Dermot came in to meet Jeffrey Perkins, and I remember Frank Mm. Kelly came in to audition, but that was like. I just kept saying, well, Frank's going to be the best at this. Mm-hmm. And with Ardell, it was kind of the same, I think. I don't really remember. But mm-hmm. they, they were certainly very... Um, they listened to us, Hattrick. You know, mm. they, even though we were we hadn't done much else, we'd done Paris, but we were still... 
not part of that establishment, you know, mm. in Britain. But yeah, they were very good, and the, they uh, they were absolutely in agreement that it should be Ireland, Frank, and and, and Dermot, you know. Mm. It was a very interesting time because Father Ted came out the first series, and it's, I think it became cool to be Irish then. Do you, do you remember that kind of thing? You know, like um, Irish comedians like. Dylan and Tommy yeah, Tiernan. I think it was became. happening anyway. Sean Hughes, of course, had a big... Well, Sean Hughes had he the... He was very successful. Sean's show. Sean's show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was very successful. And yeah. Sean was doing very or good the, at the time. Or the Pogues as well and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, people are all... I never... People are always just very nice to us, you know. I never mm. had any bad experiences. You know, why would it seem ridiculous to even think I would have had, you know. Mm. They were very good to us. And uh, we used to hang out a lot with them... Remember absolutely? Do you remember that show they used to be on with them? Oh yeah, Scott Doherty. It's a Scottish one, wasn't Scottish, it? Scottish, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Banks is in it. Yeah. And we used to meet them a lot and hang out mm. with them in the pub in Dean Street. Mm. But they were, I don't know how we met them, but they were really friendly to us and very nice to mm. us. And mm. at the same time, uh, um, yeah, the other thing was going on with talk with all that the day-to-day people. But they were all um, Rebecca Front and Armando and each and us. But they were all kind of either Jewish or Catholic. Right, yeah. And was Catholic. Chris Morris was Catholic. And the rest were uh, marbles. They were all Jewish Catholic people. Mm. There's uh, no funny Protestants, really. <laughs> well, there's a few. <laughs> but, um, and Chris Morris was, yeah, he was interesting. So we wrote a bit for his, for his brass eye then as well. That he did. Did you do, did you write the uh, Sinn Féin um, no, sketch? Didn't, no, no, he didn't write No. But that would mean we just meet Chris Pugin in his there. office and uh, yeah. just chat away to him, and he did all filter through his mind. Yeah, and it was just meetings, you know. He had an office in below a dentist's. So and what kind of a man is he? I believe he's a he's a great uh, practical joker. Is this true? Well, he's very mischievous, you know. Yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't um, put a far cushion under your on your seat <laughs> wouldn't do that not those kind of jokes yeah but he's just mischievous like you know that's it was it was less about being satirical more about being kind of mischievous and uh, mm. seeing what he could get away with he's very brave isn't he I mean the, when he does Incredibly the drug brave, one where yeah. he, he's, I mean, I don't, he's got know, a space I, hopper tied to his head and he's yes, actually trying to score drugs yeah exactly <laughs> very very brave and very mischievous and uh, mm. um, and uh, yeah I mean he was, he was but um yeah, you went. Yeah, very, very. Yeah, but Catholic. I think that was a p- part of it as well. Maybe yeah. kind of upper class Catholic kind of. Mm. Where do you go to Stonyhurst or one of those top schools? But personally, mm. very, very polite and. Uh, but mm. had an agenda and the whole Lou Gray, the Michael Gray thing, where um, he slipped on frame a film saying when Michael Grade was head of Channel 4 remember that controversy no sorry go he slipped it uh, during the one uh, episode of Brass Eye because Michael Grade who was head of Channel 4 at the time was, was uh, giving out about Chris or something having lots of problems with Chris because he, he so many things but um, there was this kind of tiny little bit that lasted on screen for about half a second that just said Grade's a cunt <laughs> wow that he managed to sneak in yeah <laughs> Excuse the language, listeners. But there's no way around it. Yeah, but uh, so that was quite a big thing at the time. 
And then he did the paedophile special, which I thought was hilarious. Amazing. Yeah, but that was that was the big news story. That was in the front of the Observer. Because it must have been a slow day, but uh, that was a huge controversy. Which one? The the paedophile. The paedophile one. Well, yeah, I can imagine why. But he's um, and then he did. He's uh, I haven't seen him just in a while. The, he got so many celebrities to say ridiculous things. He did. Yeah. Dave Edmonds to talk. Well, cake that was amazing. Cake that was the great thing. The yeah, cake and all these episode. Yeah, very and brave. And it, so it's all quite obvious that a lot of these people uh, they're asked by a chariot. They they will not even read what yeah. <laughs> why well, they're trusting they presume they're not they're just trusting like you know they presume it's all legitimate but uh, but at the same time do you not think they're oh they're lending their name to some charity to, to, to give themselves a bit of gravitas as well yeah, maybe. You know I, mean? yeah I don't I don't even know if Chris thought much about that, that way yeah he just wanted to be mischievous mischievous I keep saying that word but that's really what he was um, but the things they said I mean was it Dave Evans was talking about the boy in Prague who um, got hit by... No Evans. Was it... No, no Evans, yeah, sorry. He's gone back and rock-piled. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sorry, he got rock-piled. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, the boy who... Um, the the cake made... It's a drug that made uh, a an hour seem like a month or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> But Chris, uh, the boy seems sounds great, but not not so much for the boy in Prague who <laughs> got hit by a tram. He thought he had two weeks to cross the road. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we also um, we did a sketch show, Big Train, that Chris we did a pilot and Chris directed the pilot. And one sketch was um, the Bee Gees in a shootout with Shaka Khan. Oh, Big, that's huge amazing. blood thing, blood everywhere. Yeah, and there was one scene where Kevin Eldon as Morris Gibb or one of the Gibbs mm. was shot really badly Shaka Khan really shot him like loads last for about 10 <laughs> seconds in slow motion just blood everywhere yeah and Jeffrey Perkins who was uh, producing it was he producing it or was he in the BBC no he wasn't he wasn't producing it but he was in the BBC at the time mm. I said that's really good it's a good funny sequence but like it's it's a um, bit long so just cut in half and Chris doubled it <laughs> he made it twice yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, that's um, brilliant and do you see him now Chris do you see him now? I haven't seen him in a while no, he's in America yeah. he he, yeah. Uh, he directs Veep you know that show Veep? oh yeah yeah he directs that oh okay he, he did the Four Lions film yes brilliant film terrorists. brilliant that, it didn't, film. I, I, I accidental kind of suicide bombing is the yeah, best yeah. thing ever yeah. I'm guessing yeah. that it didn't really cause a lot of controversy that he might mm. have liked a bit more mm. like, you know mm. I think he might have quite fancied maybe not a death threat but something approaching <laughs> that he might have quite liked you know because when uh, the paedophile special was out there all the press were hanging outside his house and everything trying to doorstep him and all that stuff yeah yeah um, but he's he's fearless like you know and he's just uh, he's mischievous I mm. keep saying that, but that, that's what he is. I won't say again. He's fearless and mischievous. Right, yeah. And very funny, you know. He's a very funny performer as well. He was in the IT crowd. Graham had him in the IT crowd for a bit. Yeah. And uh, so now the latest thing you're doing is Toast of London. Yes. Brilliant. Matt Berry, who's very funny. Amazing. Uh, yeah, stuff. he's great, but like, it's like, as I was saying about Frank Kelly earlier, uh, He's just someone who's naturally very funny, and mm. that's more important than anything than a good script or 
anything else. Slang is the most important thing, and Matt's really funny because I used to see him on uh, Garth Morangi's Dark Place. Yeah, um, which was just the oddest, such an odd show, and he was just really, really funny in that. And he's got a very the voice and everything, and he's very talented. And uh, again, he's another career as a musician. Yeah, he's just been out in Calais. Oh, really? Yeah, at the refugee camp before they knocked it down. Oh really? He went out with Jude Law and some people to do. Um, I think they were reading stories to the kids. Oh wow! Yeah, that's cool. But, um, so he's just come back from that. And you write with Matt then on that? Yeah, with, I mean, with it's, it's very different from me and Graham. It's, yeah, it's because it's done. Because he's in London, I'm over here. Mostly. So you just through emails or yeah, kind of stuff. It? Yeah, and um, or do you go on? Or do you talk? Skype yeah, we do. We, no, we don't Skype. Mm. But we tell Matt rings me up. He's very, you know, he's very good at keeping informing me. He is the the cutting edge over there in London. Yeah. So he, right, he rings me up a lot. We talk about stuff. He wants to do a film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great. I mean, he's he's on he's on the top of his career at the moment. He seems to know lots of people as well. That's how he got John Hamm was in Toast from who's in Mad Men. Because Matt knew him from Hollywood, so he was in yeah. it, got him in it. And Matt's done a few things out in LA, um, which is very good. And he's in, um, I think Chevy Chase used to be in Community. Community is that uh, what it's called? Is it Community or something Community? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, that's the yeah, one. He yeah, was yeah, in yeah. That. It's great. Mm. Um, and he does these very funny uh, BBC iPlayer shorts as well. Have you seen them? No. Very funny. Matt Berry on the boat race, or Matt Berry. He does them with Bob Mortimer. Right, yeah. Because he was in House of Fools with Dick and Bob. So, yeah, no, it's very, I'm very lucky to... He did a show called Snuffbox as well, mm. and I script-edited that. Um, a toast is brilliant, I have to say. It's well, thanks, Joe. Amazing. Thanks very much. Amazing. Um, it's been fun to do. I don't know if we're going to do any more or not. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We might do. He might... He mm. might um, there's talk of him toast in America. He might be in New York for a bit. Um, An American in toast. Well, it'll be, no, it'll be the same kind of show. It'll be a bit like, um, this is all talk at the moment, so I don't know if it'll ever happen. But there's a show called Episodes. Oh, sorry, the same The Same, the same character, character, but, he but might, he's you know, moved to New York. Yeah, yeah, in LA or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a show called Episodes uh, on mm. the BBC where about two British writers who go off to mm. America with... Um, Matt LeBlanc's in it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, it's all, it's set in LA, but I think it's made mostly in Britain because they can now make everything look like anything with technology. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible how they can do it. So that might be the, that might be next. Uh, mm-hmm. Or a film, he wants to do a film as well. But, um, mm. uh, how did you find working with, I know you, just to go back a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yourself and Graham then did, uh, or an episode of I'm Alan Partridge. Remember you no, were, we were in it. You were in it. Is that yeah. right? You were in it. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But you've done a fair bit of acting. You, how many times have you been in Father Ted? <laughs> uh, a few times. But Pauline Midlin used to say to me, well, you shouldn't mm. do that because you're not an actor. You're taking a job off a real actor. So don't do it. Ah, come on. <laughs> but um, mm. no. You could I mean, say that about uh, my, when I was on it as well. Well, you're probably going to. You're, you're uh, one of my favourites. Uh, that was one of the. But but it was that easy. episode, was the old girl whistle theft. Yeah, we always our grand particularly was always worried about that, mm. uh, and now it's regarded as one of the best ones. I think it's one of my favourites anyway. Mm. 
that one because you're you're terrific at it. And no, thanks. But you're very good. At, I was going to say actually, casting was one of the in lots of characters who came on Father Ted. Your casting was amazing. You really seemed to get the right. I mean, did, were you th- when you're writing? Are you thinking of an actor? Or are you? Not mostly, no. No, not really, no, no. no. Some, some. Um, we discovered people like Rosemary Henderson, who's in it. It was just yeah. great, you know. She's yeah. still playing the nun. And if you think if she was in Britain, she'd be in loads of shows, and she'd be a really well-known kind of character actor. And yeah. So you come across people like that. We did cast people who are terrible in. <laughs> Like really, some people. Yeah. Not often. God, I shouldn't say that. But some people, you think, oh God, no, it's it's uh, it's not really working. But generally, I mean, people <laughs> were great, and we discovered uh, some really like Ma- uh, Marissa Donahue who played Father uh, uh, Dick Bourne, the the, the rival. Yeah, it's really good. Brilliant. Yeah. And of course, Don Witchley was his yeah. sidekick in, and Don's great. Yeah. Um, but like you know, when Brendan Grace was in it, he was brilliant. Grace is in it, yeah. He, Amazing. He, and he played it kind of not in the way it was written. He got, he oh, yeah? d- got his own take on it, yeah. Mm. But he he turned up very determined to do the best job he could and very professional, you know. Mm. Um, and Jim Norton was in it as Bishop Brennan. Um, um, but, you know, surely you know, Michael Redman, perfect for... Yeah, for well, Michael Redman, I mean, that, you write that role, which is based on friends of mine who uh, were student teachers and yeah. they had uh, someone in, in their student teacher class would come and stay with them and they didn't want him to come and he'd stay with them mm. He'd uh, and they'd go off and play golf and he'd cheat and he'd sta- stand on the ball mm. and then they'd go down the pub and he wouldn't buy a drink <laughs> for them yeah. and uh, he'd just come, they couldn't stop they couldn't get rid of him coming to stay with them every mm. summer and one time he, he uh, rang up and says, oh, but great, it's July, you'll be round in a few weeks, as usual. And one of them said to him, well, you know, to be honest, I hate saying this, but, you know, I'm not sure you should come this year because, you know, really, we don't have a lot in common. And he said, oh, should we find something in common? So even that didn't stop. <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> but, yeah, Michael Redden was great, but that's one of my favourite episodes because it's kind of, um, it's not frantic, you know, yeah. very little happens, and it's kind of quiet, and yeah. it's all about awkwardness and not knowing what to say to people. And I always like that kind of thing, you know, um, awkward silences and yeah. trying to fill the gap. And nothing happens in that except they play a game of crazy golf, and Father Stone struck by lightning. So he has to kind of stay with them for long, longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the only twist in it. And sometimes when I think the less plot, the better. Sometimes you know, right. about, but it was quiet. And Father Ted can be very frantic and over the top. Mm. Um, and how did you did you write with Graham? In uh, did you have a a system of writing or? Do you well, know yeah, we was very. It was we were you know we were together a lot and we lived together. Yeah, we lived together, and which would be um, unusual, I presume, for for write to. Yeah, it was, writers. but kind of, but yeah. it's just because we were. Uh, um, Outsiders, you yeah. know, and I wasn't even sure how long I was going to stay in London. Uh-huh. And then Griff said, uh, "I'll stay in one of my houses yeah. for a moderate rent." Mm. Uh, so we used to get up, and we had the word processor. Graham did most of the typing early on because he was better at typing. Mm. 
So we never acted it out or anything just because we thought, well, if we don't act it out, maybe it'll just be very... If we do act it out, it could be very flat and then it'll be disappointing. Mm. So we just... I'd write a bit, or Graham would write a bit, and then I'd walk around and... There was a, this is in the 90s. There was a, a fashion for 3D pattern books where you'd stare at images. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. And you'd, you'd stare at these images and eventually you'd see 3D yeah. shapes. Mm. So I do a lot. I'd stare at them, and Graham would write something. I'd go back and look at it and think, "This is really funny," or whatever. Maybe we should change that. And then the reverse would happen, and he'd go and stare at three D books. And we play. <laughs> we do that, and uh, we play computer golf. We got really good at computers. Very basic computer golf. Yeah. And yeah. you could play real players like um, Fuzzy yeah. Zeller. <laughs> Fuzzy Zeller. I don't know. No, yeah. well, he's, he's an obscure golfer from the 90s. Do you know what, you, uh, just before we finish up, uh, I think you're amazing at coming up with names. Yeah, no, no, this is the thing, um, on Toast especially, but people don't really bother, you see, with names. Um, mm. But you might as well. Mm. And it's not, it's like, uh, it's not quite Monty Python where they're very silly names, they're kind of just no. about believing. I know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought one, um, Malcolm Powder. Yeah. <laughs> But there was one I wanted to call someone uh, Ned Beatles, like the beat as in the band. The yeah, Beatles. yeah, yeah. But yeah. then I discovered there was someone called John Beatles or something. It's not a brilliant name that's, to be called Beatles. Yeah, and yeah, spelled yeah. like B E A T L E S. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant yeah. Name. But Mother Teresa is fantastic. That's very impressive. Yeah, it's a good name. But uh, did you even the Father Brian Eno was that uh, name in it? In Father Ted before Brian Eno was in Father so, Ted. No, I, no, th- I no, think okay. we just got. Yeah. For some reason, we asked Eno, and he said, "Yeah, okay." Right. Yeah. yeah. So then, he's you know, I mean, it's was, it was pretty throwaway because he's just introduced to uh, a lot of priests. Yeah, and it's one of Father Brian. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's fantastic the Vino, and it's just so incongruous. Hmm. But that was. I mean, it was brilliant to get a minute. So Maybe even Father Iggy is a funny name. Yeah, there's a priest called, there was a Father Iggy. He uh, was a hurler. Do you remember him? I know there's, Iggy. there's Iggy's. I mean, I've heard of Iggy's in it's Ireland. I mean, you think of Iggy Pop and you mm. think that's it. And then, it's and Ignatius. Then, but it's Ignatius, Ignatius yeah. 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 There was yeah. A, a priest hurler called Father Iggy something. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's still around. It's bizarre when you think of a name. Like... Sinead O'Connor when you first heard it you thought there couldn't be a pop star called Sinead O'Connor <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. and you just get used to it you know? people would have changed their names years ago yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Irish names uh, and some kind of even Donal Gleeson because it's always called Donal you know yeah um, or Matt Dillon you know Matt Dillon you don't think of it but if Matt Dillon could be a fellow who lived next door to Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. There's Matt Dillon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> That's I've, always, I've always liked names. Uh, uh, yeah. If you can make them just about believable, but not too outrageous, I think that's the key to it, you know. Mm. Well, myself and Matt text each other names. Dillon? Uh, there's one name I thought. Matt Berry, yeah. Matt Berry, sorry, mm, yes, Matt yeah. Berry. Um... um Simon Shidstick. I think that's a good name. S H I D 
S-T-I-C-K. All right. I'm trying to think Sonic of all the names because there's one episode where uh, the agent points at all the names on yeah. the photos in the, in the agency and I'm yeah. trying to think of them now but they're all just amazing names. Yeah. Heathcote Pursuit. I think that's one. Yeah. yeah. But there it's easy yeah. to think of funny names. It's not like uh, it's kind of amusing. But you're right though you can't you, just to get it right. Yeah it kind of just has kind of but English in England people have unusual names you know mm. that are like that so we're yeah. just at the extreme end of that right, right yeah it's like the quite believable. the guy who plays for Leicester uh, drink water oh yeah that's right yeah <laughs> I saw something on uh, someone put something on Twitter of him drinking some water just oh. a picture in the game just having a cup of water <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> it's literally uh, mm. it was li- literally, literally drinking, drinking water. some water yeah mm. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thanks a million for coming in, Arthur. Pleasure, Joe. It's been great who's, who's up next? Who's on up. next? Uh, I don't know. Gavin Friday is is uh, supposed to be coming in soon, so hopefully. I saw hope, them. them like I them. saw them in uh, the uh, Virgin Prunes. They supported um, the Stranglers in nineteen seventy. Oh, did they? Yeah, along with you two. Yeah. Yeah, and they saw them in Drawed as well, the Virgin Prunes. Can you imagine? It was nineteen eighty. Yeah, yeah. When Gavin was wearing a dress and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it was. It was really to see something like that in Drawed in nineteen eighty was something else, really. Mm. Extraordinary stuff. Which is why bands like that should exist. Exactly, I totally agree. Yeah. All right. Thanks a million, Arthur. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, there you go. That was Arthur Matthews. And if it's the first time listening to the podcast, please give me a star rating on iTunes and have a listen to the back catalogue. There's a load of stuff there. Uh, Also go on the Castaway Media website. There's a load of brilliant new podcasts on there. And thank you to Andrew Mangan for producing, Daniel Rooney for the music and you for listening. Next week, we'll have Paul Woodfull, who was mentioned during the last podcast there with Arthur, who is in the Joshua Trio with Arthur Matthews. And see you next week. This was a Castaway Media production. Find more great podcasts on our network. Visit castaway.media. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. You can save an extra $10 when you spend 40 or more on a great selection of participating items. Just look for the signs and save at Baker's.